everyone, and welcome to another episode of In the Ring with Acacia Courtney. Don't mind my raspy voice. I am recording this Sunday morning at around 9 a.m., the day after the Preakness Stakes, and it's been a long week. It's been a really fun one, that's for sure, though. Um, it, it's definitely had its ups and downs, but in the way that we ended with seeing Ron Bauer win the Preakness Stakes and just feeling like all is right in the world of horse racing now, it really put an exclamation point um, and, and a perfect bow around the week of the Preakness Stakes. I was at the barns every morning this week, about 5 or 5.30, uh, spotting horses, then working uh, all afternoon, whether that was on schedules or rundowns or doing media, handicapping, and then, of course, being on air all day Thursday, Friday. Saturday. So I'm exhausted to say the least, but you know what? Things keep going. The beat goes on in the world of horse racing, and we do have a sale coming up, and that is the Phasic Tipton Mid-Atlantic two-year-old in training sale at Timonium. Kicks off on Monday and Tuesday. It's a great opportunity, I think, uh, for people that are at the Preakness. Just head on over 20 minutes away to Timonium and get ready for that sale. It was actually the first sale that I worked at a couple of years back. I think it was maybe uh, 2018 where I started shortlisting for Dennis O'Neill. And the first time I worked with him was at this Timonium sale. So it's one that I've always enjoyed. I think it's a good value sale too. And I'm looking forward to diving into it a little bit. So I hope you enjoy this week's episode as we wrap up the Preakness Stakes, continue on with two-year-old sales season and look ahead to what's still to come on the racing calendar. Well, I'm very happy to be joined now by Phasic Tipton's Reed Ringler. He is a announcer at the sale, also the owner and buyer's relations manager, does a little bit of everything as many people in horse racing do. And uh, Reed, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm excited to talk to you because of course we do have the Phasic Tipton two-year-old in training sale Timonium coming up. Oh, thanks for reaching out, Acacia. And uh, as I said earlier, we're so um, pleased with all of your hard work the last couple of weeks, and we've enjoyed listening to you and watching you. I really appreciate that as I have a slightly raspy voice following a previous week, but you know, that's the sign of a lot of words said, um, and it was a fun one too. But uh, of course, one of the nice things about this sale read is that it does immediately follow the Preakness stakes. Tell me a little bit about what a success that's been and, and how that's important to kind of already have everybody in town, so to speak. Well, um, it's something that we've we've worked real hard on at FaceSig over the last um, several years, and that's where we have the ability to tie in um, sales with big race day, big race day weekends, and and try to create kind of a, a more of a festival atmosphere around the sale uh, or around the the racing. We just get more principals, more people in town, as you said, and. Um, we can just offer better experiences and this works out great for us because we can do the, the breeze show, which was three days, um, right in front of Preakness weekend and then have the sale right after. It, one of the nice things I think about this sale too, is that you do have the opportunity to have the breeze show over a dirt track at Timonium. Um, how has that been received and, and what do you think are the, the benefits of having that? Well, um, we are, again, very lucky in that respect where our three two-year-old sales, uh, Gulfstream, uh, here in Maryland and then in California next month, mm -hmm. are, are all on dirt. 
Um, I do think it gives buyers and trainers some confidence when they can watch the horses breeze on the dirt, knowing that that's going to be a true surface that could translate onto the racetracks that they're going to run on here in the U.S. and abroad. So I do, I do think that it, it instills some confidence that what you're seeing is what you're getting. And you had a handful go 10 flat. Any kind of big buzz horses um, that you've heard of that we should be watching out for over the next couple of days? Yes. Um, <laughs> so we've been fortunate enough to, to crack that million dollar barrier the last uh, several years here in Maryland, which has been a lot of fun. Um, you know, the people here in Maryland, there's there's uh, great infrastructure here. There's great horse farms. There's great history. Um, there's great history here at Timonium. And it's just nice. The Maryland Bread Program is great. The sale has just caught so much traction. And as far as some of the big horses this year, there, there are several big colts. Um, there's a couple of big uh, quality roads in the sale of um, 46. Hip 46 is a filly. Um, hip 211 is a colt that Eddie Woods has got uh, with a big family. Um, it's family of AP Indian weekend surprise. That colt went 10 flat, um, had a really nice smell of a moon colt breeze. That was 164. Um, I recall uh, Kira Dunn had a really nice Munnings Colt. Uh, Munnings has come on so strongly in the U.S. That was, yeah. I believe, hip 260, had a, a really super breeze, and that Colt was out of a mare named Tweet. Uh, so you can have fun naming that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, I'm sure you could with that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, what about some of the freshman stallions? You know, we've got the classic empires, the keen ice, the gun runners. How have they been received so far? And what are some of the takeaways that you've had with some of those new stallions in the sales? Well, um, certainly gun runner has kind of mm -hmm. turned everybody's heads and he's he's off the mark and um, and doing extremely well. He's got a couple here. Arrogate's got a couple here. Um one to watch maybe in this sale, um, and he's not flying under the radar by any stretch. I mean, mm -hmm. Classic Empire had um, some horses breeze really well here. And um, I remember one that Harley Dorenzo had um, day two, I think 512 was the horse. But, um, you know, it's amazing, Acacia, these, these two-year-olds, you can almost watch them from month to month um, as a group get better, get bigger, get stronger. And um, so, you know, these classic umpires have come here and performed very well. I expect him to have a, a good sale. Um, one of my uh, sleepers that I really like is uh, a young star named American Freedom that stands over mm -hmm. Airdrie. Um, I think they're turning some heads. He's at pulpit sire line and and they look like they're going to be early. So, yeah, no, there's a, there's a, the fun thing about Maryland is there's a, very, very broad uh, cross-section here of proven stallions, young stallions, and then regional stallions. And as you know, I mean, on Monday and Tuesday, we're going to sell horses from 5000 to a million bucks. <laughs> so there is truly something here for everybody. I got to speak uh, to Brett Jones from Airdrie a couple of weeks ago about American oh, Freedom. Good. And yeah, very, very excited about that stallion and some of them um, that I've seen in the sales thus far. But you mentioned uh, being in Maryland and you see a lot of the the state bred incentives, I think, really come into play, I think, at this sale because you have the New York trainers and many New York breds, Pennsylvania breds, Maryland breds. How do you think that 
comes into play in this particular sale? Well, it's great for us. Um, you know, for a long time here in Maryland, I think, you know, they, they were struggling, just kind of wondering when is the ship going to come in and when is, you know, that, that state-bred money really going to happen, and, and it's here. And I've kind of advised a, a lot of young people in the industry, you know, Maryland's a good place to come and plant your flag right now. There's a lot of good things happening here. And um, so as far as just the regional market goes, um, we've got some help up in New York with some people kind of working the barns at Belmont, even now that there's horses up in Saratoga. Um, typically, the New York trainers love this sale. There are a ton of New York breads in here. And, you know, look, they know they can come down here. They're getting a horse. They can usually ship straight to their barn because this is a little bit later sale and these horses won't need, you know, a ton of downtime. Um, so they can go straight up to New York, go right into somebody's barn. Uh, there's a lot of Pennsylvania breads here, a lot of Maryland breads here. So, you know, I think, you know, for this sale with a catalog of about 600, um, you know, they've kind of got a defined market. They can come here. They don't have to search too hard. They can sort by state breads mm -hmm. and walk in and look at the, you know, 30 or 40 Pennsylvania breads, 100 or so New York breads and just kind of get them all cornered. Um, so it's an easy sale for them to shop and then they can get value here. Um, you know, the sales average typically acacias in like that 77 to mm. 85,000 U.S. range. Um, mm. So you can come here and work the sale hard and, and hopefully, you know, find a horse that's going to work in a state fair program. The Delaware certified things, obviously a big deal. Right. Um, so, you know, it's a it's a great sale in a regional market. You mentioned when you were talking about the classic empires of watching these horses grow up, and I know that you and, and the whole team, I mean, you are out scouting these horses way in advance before they come to the sale. Tell me a little bit about that process, and particularly, you know, more for like a Gulfstream boutique sale. I'm sure there's more emphasis on that, but tell me a little bit about that process before they even get uh, to the sales grounds. Well, um, it's funny. We, we definitely, we travel in, in packs. <laughs> um, we are a, uh, a fantastic, uh, dysfunctional horse family, um, who, who works hard. And, and I think, um, you bring up a good point. The, the first goal is to go out and get the four legged, uh, creatures. And so we have scout teams, um, that are actually our, our inspection teams are in Ocala and South Carolina that are going to every consigner um no matter the size and trying to find these two-year-olds and, and hanging out at two-year-old training centers and and talking with our partners the eddie woods and the kieran duns the julie davies um you know ev everybody dave scanlon carrie fromer you know what do you have the process has started actually a little bit before that you know during the yearling sales um we're pouring over you know buyer's bench and buyer's results trying to you know see who's signing these tickets and getting a fairly good idea of what that crop might look like, um, what the two-year-old crop might look like. And then it's a matter of, of going to these farms and um, much like we do during the yearling inspections and trying to work with our consigners and our sellers to find the sale that is going to best suit that horse. And usually, as you know, the horse is gonna tell us. Um, they're either that, um, you know, six foot two fifth grader with a mustache on the basketball court <laughs> that's going to be your Gulfstream horse. Um, or maybe it, this is going to be a horse that's going to need a little bit more time for Maryland or, or maybe even the California sale in June. So, 
the horse has got to take you there. Um, you know, once we've got uh, the horses and we kind of start the cataloging process, then it's a matter of going and getting the two-legged creatures to come and buy them. Um, <laughs> so that's kind of the marriage that we try to make work um, around all the sales. We kind of have a plan going in. Um, fortunately, we've had so many good horses come out of this Maryland sale, um, really across the country and even internationally, um, that this sale, like I said, has a lot of traction right now. People want to come. It's a nice size catalog, a two day sale of, of under 600. It, it's very shoppable, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a ton of value, a ton of value. Like I said, there's real high quality, you know, million plus dollar horses like Gamine that have come out of here. And then you have horses like, you know, got stormy, who was a $45,000 horse that we resold in November for two and a half million last year. <laughs> I'd like to just find one of those, please. Right. Um, so anyway, that was a, a long answer to a short question, but it, it all starts in the inspection process, going to all these farms and kind of cultivating that talent and then just communicating with our partners is where can we go to try to get you the most money? What's going to be the best fit for your two-year-old? I think it's a fascinating process there too, because it's like with, with any sport, really, you have to scout the athletes and, and no different here. Um, but let's talk a little bit about some of the success, because I think every time I went on Twitter this weekend, uh, after the races on Preakness weekend, I was seeing congratulations to Fazig grad, uh, including the black eyed Susan winner, army wife. What, what a big weekend for the sales company. Yeah, no, it's been good. I mean, and that was just awesome for Mike Maker and Kirk Wyckoff and that crew. Um, you know, she's been super honest. Um, we knew that she had a little bit of a buzz about her. They were certainly liking her at the windows. Um, so that was great for them. And Mike Maker's just had a tremendous last year and a half. If people haven't been paying attention, uh, they should. And obviously, Three Diamonds has kind of become a force to be reckoned with. And um, you know, yesterday we had the, the Into Mischief of the Highly Brooks run really well. That was a, a July grad. Um, we had several July grads run really well mm-hmm. yesterday, which was nice. So, you know, it, we take our show on the road. Um, you know, that's kind of the basic way. You know, we, we try to find different spots again where um, horses might perform better in a, in a smaller market at, at a smaller sale. They might look like a bigger fish in a smaller pond. I forgot we had the midshipman uh, special reserve was a July horse yes. one yesterday too for Mike Maker. So he had a heck of a day. He did. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it, it's one of those things where we're lucky enough to get to participate up, up in Saratoga. Um, so, you know, as far as New York breads go, you know, that is the best place we think to go, you know, sell a New York bread at that preferred sale. That horse has gotten a lot of steam, you know, with the New York bread incentives up there and hopefully they stay along around a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, yeah, it was a good weekend for us. Um, I was thrilled to see a homebred uh, win the Preakness for Mike mm-hmm. McCarthy. Um, he's been a great client, a friend to so many in the industry and he and his family worked so hard. So I don't know how you couldn't get a little choked up um, you know, in the post-game interviews with Mike, he's just a super guy. Um, so, no, it was a good weekend for the industry. It was a good w- weekend for FASIG. 
and you know hopefully we keep it rolling this this next week <laughs> absolutely i could not agree more it was a perfect ending uh, to a, a tumultuous week uh, to say the least for sure but we have yeah. this two-year-old sale coming up um obviously with covid the COVID pandemic last year, we weren't able to have the typical yearling sales that we look forward to in Saratoga. A lot of the sales schedule really changed. Uh, what are some of the things that we can look forward to coming up this year with maybe getting some normalcy back? Well, I can tell you, we had so many great plans that got canceled last <laughs> year, like probably the rest of the United States. And, and Maybe the difficult thing that people wouldn't immediately think is that when you operate in several different states and I mean, all those different states had different COVID protocols and guidelines. So, you know, if we were just operating out of our home base in Kentucky, it might have made things a little bit easier. But um, we know when you're in you know, Florida, California, Maryland, New York, um, you know, it was all different. Uh, so everything just got pushed back, pushed later. But I think. You know, everyone in the commercial industry felt good about what happened the last quarter. People were still buying horses, and thank God we kept racing going. Mm -hmm. But, you know, looking ahead, you know, we've, we've got the sale out at Santa Anita, middle end of June. Um, but really, the big, huge thing, Acacia, for our little company is going to be the Saratoga sale mm -hmm. on August 9th and 10th. Um, it will be our 100th year uh, having the sale up there. Obviously, we I had to cancel last year, which was awful. But, you know, I think what we're seeing is, um, you know, with the vaccines and everything else that we're going to have fans up there, um, things are going to be opened up and hopefully by August they're opened up even more. Mm -hmm. But every person I've talked to in the industry just cannot wait to get up to Saratoga. Um, so we're going to line up a really good group of select yearlings and um, hopefully have a lot of fun up there again that's that's another place where we're we're fortunate enough to kind of bracket the sale mm -hmm. around some great race days like whitney weekend um so it's just really terrific for fans that love thoroughbreds to come up you get the racing and the sales together and there's probably going to be a few adult beverages that are born <laughs> oh i would imagine <laughs> but it is always one of the most fun sales too and uh yeah the, given how quiet uh, saratoga was this past summer and so grateful that we were able to have racing i am very much looking forward to having that buzz and that excitement back there this summer um and reed before i let you go i want to ask you a little bit uh, about your background what brought you oh, into geez. working uh, you knew I had to go there a little bit what brought you to working for Phasic Tipton and, and all the different roles that you have held oh gosh well I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna predate you and probably everyone that would ever listen to this but um, I was actually a Washington bred um, a long long time ago and I was born next door to Mickey and Karen Taylor who ended up owning Seattle Slough um, so my mom and Karen Taylor flew on Northwest Airlines together as stewardesses. Um, we had a lot of fun in the, uh, with the Taylors back in Washington a million years ago. Um, so obviously my, my first horse that I fell in love with was Seattle Slough. I was 10 years old when he won the Triple Crown. And, and as you know, once it gets in your blood, um, it never leaves. Um, my horses or my, my family had horses in training in the 80s with Dick Mandela and David Hoffman's. We had a lot of fun. Um, we had a little chestnut horse named French Legionnaire that won the El Camino Real Derby. So I was happy to see Ron Bauer, who yeah. was a, a graduate of that race, uh, go on and win it for Mike McCarthy. Um, 
but you know, you just, um, I, I probably never dreamed I'd be uh, in the thoroughbred industry full time. Um, I love announcing. I, I love the places we get to go and the experiences we have and um, just feel very fortunate to be part of such a great team. And you, you dabble in ownership a little bit as well? Oh, geez. <laughs> um, I have, uh, I would never dream of training one because uh, <laughs> I'm not a true, uh, a, a true horseman. I can probably help with somebody's golf swing, but, but, uh, <laughs> so I just admire the hell out of, out of thoroughbreds. Um, I've owned them. Um, we've got, uh, I've got a couple of friends that have sent a horse up to Christophe Clement this, this week, uh, named Jimmy the boot. He arrived at Saratoga. So I'm excited about him. And, um, so no, yes, I've owned, owned a few in partnership mm -hmm. and going back for a long time and just love the game. Don't we all? Well, Reed, I really appreciate you taking the time. Best of luck with the sale coming up this week and, and hope to see you at the races sometime soon. Sounds great. Acacia have a, have a great rest of your Sunday. <laughs> Very happy to be joined now by Cricket Goodall, the executive director of the Maryland Horse Breeders Association. Cricket, thanks so much for joining me. I'm looking forward to talking to you about the Maryland breads today. Great. We love to do that. We love to talk about Maryland breads and Maryland horse breeders. Well, I wanted to start first by asking you, because I think we've really seen a resurgence in the Maryland bread program and the Maryland breeding industry over the last couple of years. And I've had the privilege of spending some time at Laurel and Pimlico covering the races. And I know it's been a big topic of conversation. Tell me a little bit about how that program has grown recently. Well, the Maryland bread program has been around for a long time. It actually was the first incentive program of its kind, started in 1962. So we did things a little differently that the purpose always was to breed better horses, to, to incentivize people to improve the breed. And so I think that, you know, that mission is still in place. And although there's a lot of competition in the region now that other states have their own breeders incentive programs, you know, we have a really good, strong support group of people that live here and want to race their horses in Maryland. So, of course, you know, they want Maryland breads. So it's been pretty steady. There was a time when mares were, um, you know, competitive opportunities for mares were coming up with more money in other states, but Maryland has held its own. And, you know, we have a core group of, of strong breeders, commercial breeders, and also people who race their homebreds. And tell me a little bit about some of those incentives that are in place to race and breed to Maryland breads. What is the appeal? What is the appeal of it uh, for people to to choose Maryland? So for Maryland breads, when they race in Maryland, the breeder gets a twenty five percent bonus on any race, any all races for the breeder for that horse's lifetime. So if you know whether the person owns the horse or not, and there's also an owner bonus for the people that own the horses at the time. And just this year, actually, the the uh, we started a, a a new bonus called the developer bonus, which for people that um, owned the horses, I mean, I'm sorry, developed the horses, got them to the racetrack, the breeders in most cases, or someone who buys the horse at a sale, um, and then they lose the horse or they sell it privately, the developer continues to get a 15% bonus for that horse's lifetime. The new owner gets 15%. But and if you own and breed the horse, obviously you get both the 30% plus the 25 for breeder bonuses. So it's a pretty um, strong incentive. And it, it was a new idea, a new concept, which seems to be very popular. 
Yeah, that's amazing to have those kinds of opportunities. And one of the things that I find most fascinating too is that I don't think many people realize how important the thoroughbred industry is to the state of Maryland from an agriculture perspective as well. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, that's actually who we work for mostly, the people mm-hmm. with the farms and the and you know the breeders that are here in Maryland. So absolutely, Maryland has a as I said, a strong support group of, of breeders and uh, the land that they preserve is great for Maryland. When we talk to legislators, of course, we make that case that, you know, horse farms are beautiful. They're also very environmentally friendly for the Bay and they preserve land, just beautiful green swaths of Maryland that may otherwise be vulnerable to development. So we definitely make that case and encourage people to have you know, keep their farms functioning. But of course, to do that, they need to have successful horses or be successful with their thoroughbred horses. Of course, over the years, there have been many Maryland breads successful on the big stage, just uh, outside of those state bred programs as well. Um, this past year, we had Nick's Go winning in the Breeders' Cup and the Pegasus World Cup, who is a Maryland bred. How exciting is it when you have a horse like that kind of waving the banner, so to speak? Yeah, that was just such a great story. You know, that was Sabrina Moore and her mother, you know, new to the business, really getting in with, you know, a small amount of money and mares and to come up with a horse like that was just amazing and exciting and just proves that anybody can do it. You know, you just have to be diligent and work hard and and you have to have luck. There's no doubt about Mm -hmm. it. But, you know, we've had some really top Maryland breads and you know, there's a good story behind every horse, but you just mm-hmm. love it when the, the small breeder really gets to shine. Tell me a little bit about uh, some of the stallions that stand here in Maryland and uh, what the process is of kind of maybe recruiting some of those or working with the farms and, and bringing in some those kind of new bloodlines and horses that you think may be a good fit for Maryland. Yeah, that's a challenge, obviously, because we're, again, a competition in the area. But Maryland does have better stallions. Of course, I'm going to say that, but it has better stallions mm-hmm. than the re- most in the region. But, you know, we've got Northview Stallion Station, who's been a stalwart here with Not For Love and um, just, you know, top stallions, again, in the region and commercially and just re- producing really good racehorses. So that's the key. You've got to get stallions that come in and produce really good racehorses. And if it's horses that race, you know, for homebreds, which may be slightly different than commercial. Um, that's great too. We've had those over the years, Allen's prospect. And, you know, so it's just, it's just different. It's hard to recruit stallions now because mm-hmm. Kentucky has, um, broadened their base of, you know, prices, I guess, for stallions. And sometimes, um, it's hard for Maryland and Pennsylvania to compete, but we have, again, a really dedicated crew with Lewis Merriman, with Anchor and Hope Farm, the Ponds family with Country Life. That's the oldest family farm in Maryland. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're all dedicated to improving the breed, getting people involved, getting them excited. And um, they really work hard to do that. Tell me a little bit about the um, Maryland Horse Industry Foundation and some of the education initiatives that, that it's taken on in the state. The Maryland Horse Industry Foundation is the charitable arm of the Maryland Horse Breeders Association, and it's been around since mid-80s, but we focused on education probably five or six years ago and and really uh, started a program called the Maryland Thoroughbred Career Program, mm-hmm. which shows young people you know, the different types of careers that there are in this industry, that if you love horses, you can actually have a career. Um, and now we are moving on to a bigger project. We've bought a building in Reisterstown, historic Reisterstown, Maryland, 
and we are raising money for a education for a library and education center and that's really exciting that's been a goal of the Maryland horse breeders for many many years and now it looks like it's actually going to happen and and the foundation is, is behind it all and we're getting a lot of good support for that that's fantastic and that's really exciting i, I got to do a story a couple years ago in maryland um on on a program uh, that was geared towards young people and i feel like that's something that Maryland really does really well is bringing young people into the industry. And, and a place like that is a great way for, for people to learn. Have you noticed that too, that it, that it really does seem to be a little bit more of a welcoming state, maybe in comparison to some others where horse racing can be a little bit scary to get involved in sometimes? I think so, because we have such a wide range of horse people and, and opportunities and mm-hmm. pretty down to earth people. You know, this is, they're not a lot of really fancy farms in Maryland. These are, you know, these are people working farms and they're happy to have young people get interested. And I think it's really important that people, young people know that, again, they can have a career. If they love horses, they can also make it their livelihood, which is when I got into the business, I loved horses and I ended up working at the Maryland Million and the Maryland Horse Breeders, but I didn't have a plan. I just, I lucked Mm -hmm. into it and here I am today. So we're trying to show people that you can actually have a plan and, and do what you love all the time. Well, you gave me a perfect segue there because I wanted to ask about the Maryland Million um, because that is just an incredible uh, program and a a really very forward thinking idea when it started um, looking back through the days. And tell me a little bit about how, again, that program has grown, how important that is that day with being able to highlight all of those Maryland breads and Maryland stallions on Maryland Million Day. Mellon Million was started by Jim McKay. Actually, he had been out to the first Breeders' Cup in California, and he came back to Maryland. He lived here, of course, and loved Maryland and loved horses. And he said, hey, why can't we do this in Maryland? You know, focus on Maryland sires and getting mares to come to breed to our stallions. And, And a couple of years of planning and a lot of organization and help, it happened. And so the first the first race day was 1986. And it's still in, it's still going. So it's, it really highlights again, breeding, but the race day too, because it's always a good day of races mm-hmm. and it gives the the sort of local people a chance to shine. Again, for some people, it is their Preakness. You know, if they have a Maryland sired horse or a really good local Maryland bred, they want to show it off. And, and Maryland Million Day is the day to do that. Uh, when we get some normalcy back. If anybody is listening and has not been to Maryland Million Day, I cannot recommend it enough. It's it's so much fun and you can just see the pride of Maryland really displayed um, in that day. As Since we're talking about some Maryland bred horses, Basic Tipton uh, Timonium sale coming up Monday, Tuesday following the Preakness and often seems like a good sale to really highlight some of those Maryland breds where people go to shop for horses that can fit in that breeding program with those incentives. Um, Tell me a little bit about how important it is to have that sale here in the state. It's great to have a commercial outlet in Maryland. Phasic Tipton has, you know, their yearling sale here and their two-year-old sale and and actually a winter sale as well. Mm -hmm. And so it gives people, local people, a chance to, you know, have a commercial outlet if they want to sell some of their horses. It also brings a lot of important buyers into Maryland, especially this sale around Preakness time. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes you'll see the, the Preakness trainers there before the sale looking at horses. And I suspect today some of them will come buy the horses or have their agent there to buy the horses. So I believe it's one of the best, you know, sales, Phasic Tipton's two-year-old sales that they have. And it's great to have in our backyard. They're Maryland, you know, there are all kinds of breads. There's some Maryland breads, but there's this this sale really 
it sort of shows off the pin hookers, the people that buy the yearlings and then come back and get them ready to go. And they're, you know, get them on the track, get them breezing in some cases. And um, you'll find people here who are ready to go ahead and buy a horse that'll race soon, probably in the next couple months. What are some of the goals moving forward of the Maryland Horse Breeders Association? What are some of the things that you would really like to improve or, or to grow within that organization? Well, the Maryland Horse Breeders Association's goal, of course, is to promote and enhance and educate about the horse industry. So with our new project here, the Library and Education Center, you know, we're going to do that in a big way. It'll, we're in a place where we will get the general public coming in to see us. We will coordinate with schools and other libraries to get children out here and learn about the horse industry. I think that's the most important thing. You have to you have to be accessible to people who know nothing and you have to be welcoming. And I think if we can do that and then they become fans or they, you know, get an off-track thoroughbred later and go to horse shows or whatever it is. But any way that we can help expose the horse industry and, and its importance, not only to new people, but to the legislature as well. We're very, um, you know, we're a highly regulated industry, so we have to be accountable to the legislature and we work hard to do that. Over the years for you, Cricket, is there a, a certain Maryland bread or a certain Maryland day that really stands out and, and is very special to you that you've watched? Uh, my my go-to favorite is uh, Jim McKay's horse, Sean's Ferrari, who won yeah. a Maryland Million race. And, uh, of course, I was there, and I'd been there for many years with cool. Jim McKay. And Sean's Ferrari was named for his son, Sean, and he, it was a, you know, a whisker victory with Lafayette Pinkai riding and just a great you know, down to the wire finish. So that's my favorite. What was it like uh, learning from Jim McKay, working with him? What what was he like as an individual? Oh, he was so amazing. He was just, because at that point he was in, you know, the height of his mm-hmm. fame, I guess. So you would try to walk, walk him from the track, you know, at the track from the dining room to the winter circle or whatever, whatever it is. And the fans would just all be so you know, wanting to shake his hand or he was great. He just, he loved Maryland, as you mm-hmm. probably remember on every broadcast, he'd always, you know, at the Olympics or wherever he was, he'd, there, he'd sneak in some reference to Maryland and um, he was dedicated and his family, his, his wife loved Maryland and they lived in horse country up here in Moncton. And so it was nice to see a behind the scenes, somebody that was that famous at that time to get a little glimpse behind the curtain for me. Well, I love hearing that. I always love hearing stories about him. And uh, I, of course, champion, championing Maryland. Um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Maryland racing, the people in Maryland, and the program that you have, too. I appreciate your time, Cricket, and um, best of luck with all the new projects coming up. Well, thank you. And thanks for all you do for Maryland. Yeah, we love to have you here. And it's always a big event when Acacia's in town. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, that'll do it for another episode of In the Ring with Acacia Courtney. As always, I appreciate you joining me and listening. Hopefully, I'll get my voice back by the next episode or at least by the Belmont Stakes. I guess that's what happens when you just don't sleep for an entire week. Um, But the Preakness was a wonderful week. Um, It's always one of my favorite weeks of racing, as I mentioned at the top. Hope that you follow along with the Phasic Tipton Timonium sale, the two-year-olds in the spotlight now, and we're full steam ahead onto the Belmont Stakes. It is pretty wild. It feels like this year, everything just comes up so quickly when you're talking about the Triple Crown, because last year we had June for Belmont Stakes and the end of June to kick off the Triple Crown, then Derby in September and the Preakness in October, which were a month apart, both of those. 
So it just feels like to me, everything is coming up so quickly. Like we're basically done with it already. It's basically Saratoga. It's the Travers. It's the Breeders' Cup where time's flying, um, but we're having a lot of fun when doing it too. So of course, continue talking about all of those big, uh, big topics coming up. Also a reminder for everyone, I want to give our, uh, a shout out to our partners, LTN Global, which offers innovative TV production services that help racetracks raise their profile, bringing all the TV tricks they've learned from other sports to horse racing. LTN is a technology and production company that is helping racetracks create and distribute content at a high quality and good value. And LTN offers distribution services to get tracks seen in more online and offline spaces than ever before. Visit ltnglobal.com to learn more. Well, that'll do it for us today. See you next week on In the Ring with Acacia Courtney. Please share, send me some topics that you're interested in, and I can't wait to have my next guest on soon.